Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, I, I come bearing bad news today. Oh no, I don't like bad news. What, what's the bad news now? Well, wouldn't you know it? You Have you heard of, have you heard of those new mutants? I... I... I love the New Mutants. What, what happened to the New Mutants? Well, you remember how a couple episodes ago we did a thing where they died a lot. Yeah, they just they just keep dying. It's so they sad. They just keep dying. And so does their movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard something about that this afternoon. So this movie that was supposed to come out in 2018. Yeah. Is What's now coming out in 2020. Deep breath. Deep breath, X-Fans. So here's the thing. I thought the trailer looked dope. I thought it looked like a really cool movie. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it doesn't seem like even its stars know when the reshoots are that are required to actually uh, finish this thing off. So I don't have high hopes. Um, the, like, they uh, have a movie. They could they, release a movie right now. Yes, they have a movie, but I don't think it's one that Disney and uh, even Fox were comfortable with releasing. So um, very unfortunate that this just keeps getting pushed back and back and back. And God knows what the final product is going to be. Were we a podcast when the first trailer came up? I think the answer is we had just started. Yeah, because didn't who who somebody calculated today how many days that was it me. Will be. That was how many me. days will, will it be? Five hundred something days? No, it'll be in the first trailer. No, it'll be nine hundred some days. Oh God! Wow! Yeah, it's you know, five times you know longer than that? it was initially planned. The that, distance that, between twi- first trailer and release. Yeah, the thing that's absolutely insane about this is like we may actually between the original shoot and the reshoot maybe actually able to see the actor's age like that's how messed up this shoot is <laughs> like it's wild may... stuff guys oh it's so sad and um you know corporate mergers la 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 but um you know hey i guess we should be grateful that it's even on a release schedule because i i think a lot of us just suspect that it's going to you know bite the dust or, it or will, end up on a streaming i service. will put money on it it comes out we are yeah. all going to watch it. We are going to enjoy it. We'll do a special episode about it. <laughs> well, we've been trying to do one for a we, while. Guys, we've been trying to do Demon Bear like since day one. And we said, well, that movie's coming out soon. We should do Demon Bear then. Yeah. That's well, still the plan. Demon Bear's just taken a little bit. <laughs> April 3rd, 2020, right? <laughs> all right. Well, we're not talking about New Mutants today, though, right? I mean, we're talking about new X-Men at one point. Yeah, very and different than the new And, no, yes, we are technically covering some stories with new mutants in the title. So oh, I want you to true. take that back, Adam. That's we true. We are there covering are new, new mutants. mutants today. Headlining you- new mutants. Um, but uh, today we got a request to talk about everybody's famous pink future genocidal robot friend Nimrod, right? Yeah, we're talking about Nimrod, uh, the Great Hunter. Uh, oh as as he is more often referred to 
He's a pink crystal man who is a <laughs> sentinel from the days of the future past, the number one story on our list. And our good friend Rob went over to Patreon.com and he threw money at us. Just threw, he, he took a big wad of cash and said, here's money, go. And we said, got it. We're talking about Nimrod. Nimrod's weird. Nimrod's weird. Okay, let's. I want I want us to percolate on this thought throughout the entire episode, and we'll get to it by the end because I think it's important to there. Yeah. Uh, I want us all to think about ranking the following creations: Master Mold, Nimrod, Bastion, who are all kind of the same thing. They are they are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the uh, of the Sentinel program. That's fair. It's also a little confusing. <laughs> Much like the Trinity. Uh, well, Nimrod is a biblical name, is it not? I don't... I don't 100% know. I think maybe. Hold on. Hold on. Guys, we're going... This is Bible Talk now. Welcome to Sunday School. Uh, <laughs> Sunday School with Zach and Adam. Yeah, isn't he like Tower of Babel? Uh, like... Kingdom of Babylon, that's like the dude, right? In Genesis? He was he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay. Okay. And that's it. That's all we know about Nimrod. He's in Micah, a very forgotten book of the Bible. All right. Um uh, he's the son of Crush, the son of Ham, the son of Noah. <laughs> there we go. Everybody's related. <laughs> so we're all related to this giant peptobismal uh robot monster. Yes. Um, <laughs> but what uh of all the nimrod stories which one are we starting with which one did rob want us to talk about we're gonna talk about uncanny x-men 194 juggernauts back in town Ooh, this is a john ramita jr joint isn't it this is a chris claremont joint isn't it woot, woot. uh this is good i like this one it's it's oh <laughs> It's an objectively good comic that on the Chris Claremont X-Men scale is on the bottom end. Oh, I don't know, man. This has some really cool stuff going on in it. Um, it's it's cool. It's I got I got weird feelings about this era. Okay. I like, think that's fair. Like this, the pre-mutant yeah, massacre stuff. The whole Secret Wars 2 up through pre-mutant massacre stuff is such a weird spot for me. Like you could tell that Claremont knew he wanted to do something else, knew he had to get somewhere, but didn't have that creative spark to say, what's my next big thing yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, um, the basic plot of this issue is that uh, every cop in New York city is on alert because they've heard a report that juggernaut is back in town. Um, the X-Men cannot be bothered to get out of bed for a little bit, which that I think is the most charming part of the issue is that we get all these in the mansion vignettes with each of the X-Men kind of, uh, they don't really want to get out of bed. They don't want to deal with juggernaut. And then when they finally do, they don't end up fighting juggernaut. They end up fighting Nimrod who has been in the background of several issues leading up to this. Yeah. He saved a uh, construction worker from being stabbed over the necklace of Kulan Goth, a Conan the Barbarian villain? Yes, yeah, Nimrod is wrapped up in that Kulan Goth story. Crazy, right? Then he was just living in a guy's guest house for a little while. 
He's just chilling. He's got nothing against people. He just wants to kill all mutants. He's just dressed as a construction worker, earning up a, a hard day's hard days living. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting that Nimrod is a union man, and I really do appreciate that about him. <laughs> um, so Nimrod, uh, you know, sort of shows up. Juggernaut is uh, no match for him. And, he is uh, trying to just get a loan. Like, Juggernaut went down to the bank. He's just, he's like, guys, you know, I, I need some capital. I need some financing <laughs> here. Can you help me out? I'm very strong. It is great. Like, first of all, the X-Men don't want to be bothered by by Juggernaut. They're like, we just fought this guy in Marvel team up. Like, why do we have to fight him again? They get to the bank and they're like, he's he's not doing anything. He's not even dressed up like Juggernaut. But I don't I don't think there's anything I like more in comics than casual Juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, Kane Marco just chilling. He's like, just chilling. I don't I don't need Juggernaut to be a bad bad guy. I know he destroyed the World Trade Center that one time and objectively is a monster. But I prefer Juggernaut in my canon. To just, like he's a he's a crook. He's a he's a baddie. But he's like a golden age bad guy. <laughs> right, right. He's just going about living his life like it's a sitcom. Like, I I don't know what trouble I'm going to get into today. I do love that Kane Marco is wearing his juggernaut out- outfit underneath his plain clothes and then just happens to have the helmet somewhere around him so that he can get outfitted to battle Nimrod. It's a really fun little thing when his clothes get blown off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do love Kane Marco. And also, John Romita Jr. draws this. And guys, John Romita Jr. is literally, like, he's John Romita Jr. Do we need to go into it? He does very, very good stuff in this era. It's not the uh, super geometric cubism stuff that he's doing in the, like, 2000s. Uh, but it's it's definitely got some of the elements of that. It's sure a clean comic style that I really like. Oh, I love the John Romita Jr. stuff um, between this and the the Daredevil run. It, it's really fun. And the way he dresses these characters is fantastic. We've got Rogue in one of her, uh, you know, sort of black leotard, green jacket uh, things going on here. Uh, Rachel is straight up rocking a green blazer with a tie. Um, the fashion choices here are inspired. Yeah, uh, and then this whole thing kind of, sort of resolves when Rogue absorbs everyone's powers and decides to fight. Yeah. And I don't know, it. This is this the first time she's pulled that particular move? I want to say that it is, because Nimrod is able to, you know, one of his things is that he can adjust. So if you use a power against him, he can figure out how to defend himself. So the only way they get out of this situation is by Rogue basically becoming... Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Kitty Pride all at the same time, um, which is fantastic. <laughs> it happens. It, it's kind of turned itself into its own trope, but I think this might be the first time we see that happen. It if it's if it's not, it's very close to the first time. Yeah, like this is good. Uh, it's a fun issue. It doesn't do much. Uh, in fact, the story doesn't even really resolve itself. Uh, well, cause... yeah, because Nimrod gives up. Yeah, Nimrod's like, peace out, I'm gonna go back, my shift's about to start, and I've gotta support my fellow working man. <laughs> um, yeah, there's another little vignette in here with uh, Storm in Africa beating up some white hunters who are sexually uh, harassing a hotel worker. Yeah, and you, you, 
Did you know that this is the first appearance of Andrea and Andreas von Strecker? Oh, is that who they are? Yes. Oh, I didn't That's even Andrea that. and Andreas Strucker. Oh, yeah, look at that. Because they come back and shoot her. Yep. Like in the next Great. issue or something. Uh, They're the worst. Oh, they really are. They really are. Okay, um, we haven't talked about this in a while because it did get canceled. Uh, but is it weird that there was a two-season television show based around the descendants of Andrea and Andreas von Strucker? Yeah. It's very strange. The Gifted uh, season one was a lot better than season two. Um, but yes, it exists as an entire anomaly. And uh, I think we're <laughs> always grateful for any X media, but it was definitely strange. Absolutely wild. Yeah. Um, but I will stand by this issue. I love these little, um, you know, glimpses into what's going on in the mansion. I think that, you know, Claremont always excels when he's showing these things happen, like Wolverine running through the snow in his PJs or uh, Kitty um, using her phasing powers to knock out her alarm clock. Like there these little character quirky things here that are really fun. Um, and it's just a light, fun issue. Um, I can see why Rob likes this one. Yeah. Uh, it's good. I like it. I don't love it. I don't love Nimrod as a villain. I think he's pretty two-dimensional. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about Nimrod and his um, his complexities as we go through the uh, the next two stories. But I think for, as a standalone, this is pretty interesting. You know, they, they set out to uh, talk about Juggernaut and then it, it gets, you know, things go awry very quickly. Now, we have gone awry by not introducing our list of every story in the X-Men history of all time, which we will rank this one against. Uh, We have 222 stories to talk about. And we're going to talk about each one of them individually over 92 other episodes of this podcast. Uh, (laughs) But essentially it goes from Days of Future Past to the Draco with a lot in between. Uh, Let's talk about something else from this era to uh, get a good uh, get a good point. Um, yeah, the first thing I thought of was at 154, we have Uncanny X-Men 206, which is freedom is a four letter word. Better um, than this. Which has. Uh, or this better, is better than that. This yeah, is better than that. This is better than say, that. That has a better cover, but this is a better issue. I don't um, like freedom is a four letter word very much. It's not a, it's not a terrible issue, but um, this is this is, I think, a lot more fun and has a lot more character and heart to it. Um, and like you said, it has plain clothes Kane Marco. So we're we're, we're good on that. Um, any other points of reference you were looking at to begin with? I'm looking up the list from there and I'm going to say I don't think this is better than 115 Mad Report Nights. OK. Yep, that's sort of become a a ceiling of sorts as we go through this list. Yeah, we may have ranked that one a little low. Who knows? That's okay. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, Okay, 128. The first appearance of the Juggernaut of Cain Marco. (laughs) Hmm. I like this better. I think this has just a little bit more character uh, to it than that one, even though that's a really fun introduction. Like, it's great to see Juggernaut kind of like jokingly asking a cop, who's looking for the juggernaut say the juggernaut's back in town and not recognizing him. It's great. Okay. I'm going to say a few up there. There's a couple of stories that are one-offs. Uh, the Excalibur bar issue, uh, mm-hmm. uncanny X-Men 15 dot I N H, uh, uncanny X-Men annual. The one that you wrote <laughs> in my time machine, in your, um, in your time machine, 14 year old Adam <laughs> did write this. 
Thank God it was not a Nimrod time machine. Um, I, you know, if I was just going to squeeze it in somewhere, I think I would put it after the um, INH issue. Um, yes. Which, okay. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. exactly that's that was going to be my ceiling because oh, it, okay. that's, that's got that good, good Chris Anka art and also Emma. Yeah, it has that great Emma moment. And like, those are the kind of behind the scenes character moments that I absolutely love. Um, I think that issue does it a tweak better, even though it's not Claremont. Um, but I do think this is better than what we have at 123 right now, which is that Caliban and Jubilee and Candy and the Sewers. Uh, well, now book. this is 123. Now Perfect. this. Now Juggernaut is back in town. Juggernaut's back in town. Bum, <laughs> bum, 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 123. All right. Um, but we're not done talking about our, uh, our buddy Nimrod here. Um, Why would we? That's not how our program works. No, you know it this. is not. Um, and this next story we're talking about was a, a real nice surprise for me. I like this one a lot. What is this one? This is New X-Men 28 through 31 Nimrod. Yeah. Now, uh, the new X-Men, have, they're not having a good day when this starts. They're, they're having a week. Uh, this Oof. takes place almost immediately after the... Uh, how did how did we actually uh, call it? It's uh, the new the new X-Men. Uh, everyone dies. It's the one with the bus and uh, the purifiers. Yeah. Yep. So and... they, they've had all of their friends murdered. Childhood's End and Crusade at 109 are yes. on this right now. Yep. Uh, and everyone's like, okay, this is bad. This is real bad. So then uh, Carol Danvers shows up. And you know about Carol Danvers, star of uh, stage and screen. That's right. Yeah. Great haircut. Very good haircut. Very good <laughs> haircut. Uh, Paco Medina, who does the art here in this issue with uh, Duncan Ruleo uh, doing one issue in the middle of this run. Uh, he, he does not draw her with that hair. She has her long uh, Warbird Ms. Marvel hair. And yeah, I she's... think I think writers Chris Kyle or, or Chris Yost and Craig Kyle, the writers of I don't know Thor Ragnarok, could have fit that in there, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's rocking that lightning bolt uh, costume uh, of yore, and um, it looks like a Guthrie has been gunned down. Uh, Striker is dead, and uh, the new X Men are generally just like they're a mess. They're they're all beat up and. It, you know, just at their worst, when they really need the X-Men, the adults decide, well, guys, we got to go to Wakanda. Storm's getting married. I mean, look, that wedding was a big deal. And I have not read a single page of the Black Panther <laughs> run where she gets married. I have, I have, I have, since reading this, I, I finally said, you know, I probably should. I probably should, like, go through that run. Because it's not even the priest run, which is the good one. Uh, so I don't know, but yeah, they go, they go to get Storm to get married. Uh, and then speaking of which Storm's ex, uh, Forge gets contacted by Nimrod. Yeah. And, uh, it turns out that Forge created Nimrod. Forge gave this Nimrod a new body. So, 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 so I actually had to do an article about Nimrod back when I was doing articles and I had to work out this timeline. So hold with me. I'm with you. Days of Future Past. Nimrod gets sent back to the past after chasing Rachel Gray. Right. Uh, 
Nimrod doesn't end up where we thought he ends up. Nimrod doesn't go far enough back, and he ends up in an alternate past uh, where Forge is the maker, and he's married to Storm, and he was damaged, and he has Forge remake him something after threatening to murder his family and all this stuff. Yes. Then Nimrod goes even farther back in time to New X-Men times, but not far enough back in time yet. Uh, He goes to New X-Men times. This story happens. Then he goes farther back in time to... uh, Whenever Nimrod first shows up in the Kulan Gath stuff. Right. Like, that's the craziest thing is he's kind of a time paradox. Yeah. Uh, and the new X-Men kids decide to take it on themselves to go fight Nimrod uh, to stop him from destroying all mutants, which fair. Oh, and dude, this is an action packed, pumped for issues. I loved this. Um, it is crazy. They steal the Blackbird. They fly to uh, what's Forge's uh, mansion called? The, Eagle the Plaza. Skies? Eagle Plaza. Thank you. Um, and it is just this giant, especially the uh, the last two issues here are just this like gigantic fight scene where they are trying to figure out how to defeat them. They don't know that Forge has transferred Nimrod into a uh, protect all mutants body and they mess that up. And there's this like very great, I don't know, like the tempo of this is so fast. It's awesome. Well, because a lot of stuff happens. First, Rock Slide gets blown up. Oh, my poor buddy Rock Slide. Bye bye, Santo. You're you're dust for the Mm. time being. Guys, he gets better and they redesign him. They use this to redesign him into a good look and not just gray the thing, which is very choice. He looks a lot better once it's done. Uh, he looks a lot better. He's he dust needed, for, for an issue. He needed to die here. No, Dust mm-hmm. is a different character in this issue. Oh, <laughs> ooh, can't confuse our Dust. Sorry. He's gravel for a little bit. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Anyway, that really upsets Mercury, who goes crazy on uh, Rockslot, or on Nimrod, and then Talon. You know Talon, right? The name that we all know and love. A Talon, <laughs> very famous uh, X-Men character. Uh, I believe you're referring to uh, Laura Kinney. I am referring to Laura Kenny uh, because this book and like this book alone called her Talon for like two issues before they said, that's dumb. That's dumb. It didn't stick. Um, but Laura Kinney really gets messed up in this. And that is one of the greatest parts of the story is that she needs to be like rushed back to the, <laughs> the mansion um via extra power from emma frost and it's a fantastic cliffhanger like not a cliffhanger but you are on i don't know as i'm reading it i'm on the edge of my seat like is she gonna make it you know because her healing factor can't keep up with what nimrod did to her yeah hellion hellion gets his uh gets his power blockers removed from emma she's like okay dude uh you're just gonna go real fast you gotta go fast you're like (laughs) sonic the hedgehog and you you gotta go fast you gotta go fast you gotta go fast and then he goes fast and then they save the day uh, because Surge and Mercury uh, zap Nimrod into time traveling. Yeah, and Hellion is able to get Laura Kinney back to Elixir, who is all messed up. Um, instead of being all gold, he's sort of like this deep like charcoal black color. And he's able to save Laura Kinney at the last possible second um, while the rest of them take care of Nimrod. And, uh, man, this really does showcase, you know, especially during Messiah complex, I I was very complimentary of this, 
this series and the way it's being written. And I think this is like really selling these characters in a way that when they initially premiere uh, in the in the beginning issues of this book, it, it's not there yet here. Oh, no, it's, it's there, man. I, I always thought New X-Men took a while to get going because the initial New Mutant series, mm-hmm. mediocre to bad. Uh, there's a thing with Rain that's actually the worst thing that's ever happened to Rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, the initial run of New X-Men, which is, it struggles. There's the bus stuff, uh, which is... Tough. It's tough. It's transitioning the book into being this it's pivoting mm-hmm. to where these are the characters you actually like and not all of them are here yet because Annalay and pixie have not kind of been promoted into this team right uh, right right yet but like these are the ones you like these are the ones you want to read about and it's fun this story uh and then the next couple are a ton of fun leading up to messiah complex uh it, this isn't my favorite of the new x-men kids stories uh, that one might be our Halloween special for this upcoming year. Who knows? Uh, it does involve Dracula. Uh, <laughs> but I do, I do like this a lot better than the one that was right before it, though. I mean, it, it has a lot of fun things going on, and it is, as I keep saying, it's like action-packed and fast-paced. And you like—I don't know—I like this lineup, um, and it, it has a lot of um, really fun stuff happening in it. And there's awesome character work like bringing it back to uh what i was talking about near the beginning of this segment Mm -hmm. carol danvers shows up and it's a combination her going and saying hey guys sorry you had a bad week which is fair and then also her secretly kind of pitching hey but you know there's a superhero civil war going on over here oh my god and we could really, I'm your friend, Carol Danvers. Uh, I, I hung out at your house for a little while. We should be friends again. Also, please join the police. Yeah, please sign and, up for the registration act. <laughs> and Emma Frost, Emma Grace Frost, she gives a very good speech. Uh, it's a great moment. She screams at Carol, says, where were you? When Genosha got screwed up, where were you when all of our kids were dying? Where were the Avengers all those times? And now you come into my house. You come into my domicile. And you say, hey, y'all, let's fight this stupid war for the government and join the side that's registering people because mutants like that, right? Also, I'm your friend Carol Danvers. And, and Emma's point is uh, is really on, which is, hey, all of these things happened because people knew where mutants were. And this is what happens to us when, we, you know, we're out there and we're visible. Um, so, no, we're not going to sign up for your stupid registration and you need to get the hell out of my house because I got a wedding to get to. Um, and that's a very Emma Frost thing to do. I have a fantastic. wedding to go to. You're in my house. <laughs> You need to leave. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, and it's brutal. Uh, she sends Miss, uh, she sends Captain Marvel into a casket of uh, one of the dead mutants. I mean, it is, I mean, psychologically, not, not like physically. But, but also um, maybe that too. I, who knows? It's, who knows with Emma? But but those are the kind of things that are happening in this book that are are very well written character moments that um, that really make it effective. I think. 
It's an effective book. I enjoy it. It's not my favorite, and I know I have had uh, harsh words for the new X-Men kids in the past, mm-hmm. uh, because I think a lot of the strength of this book comes from the fact that they are kind of, they aren't all three-dimensional characters yet. Uh, they're all interesting, they're dynamic, they're great visual designs and real fun in a fight scene, but they're all pretty flat character-wise, maybe with one or two little facets to them. Yeah, I think we're getting there, you know, and I... I... I think this hits its peak um, probably around Messiah Complex, but... Actually, right before. It's actually super just right before. Right before? They have to go to hell. They have to go to hell. <laughs> uh, and they have to... They hang out with Belasco. You know him? I you love know, that guy, yeah. Fun He's question. Terrible. Question. How long did it take you to before you realized that Belasco only had one arm? Because it took me several years. Oh. Um, I mean, doesn't he have one arm in the Magic Mini? Yeah, he has always only had one arm. I just never noticed. And I've read all those stories several times. Hey, don't worry about it. It, it, You know, different artists, whatever. Um, What I will say is that I liked this better than Childhood's End, which we currently have at 109. It's Um, better than that. Yeah. Uh, It's better than number 80, Gambit and the Externals. I agree. Um, I think there's a lot of really good action here and character interaction um how high are you willing to go i mean 74 we have your beloved exterminators is this better than that i think this is better than exterminators and i do love that story i don't think this is better than number 58 right now which is x-force assault on gray malkin no i wouldn't put it ahead of that that is uh like one of those beloved things with the, the capolo art paco medina is kicking butt here this is great yeah. artwork I, paco I love it. does good paco yeah. does good on this uh he has like a cartoony bubbly style that really works for the dynamic action you need here yeah um better or I, worse than blood hungry oh that's tough i do kind of like blood hungry blood look there's no shame in being worse than blood hungry yeah, it's kind of goofy, but I, I, um, I think it's better than the Howard the Duck story. Yes, for an X Men um, story, and which I would puts it Ladies' Night and Excalibur, where Rachel fights Galactus. Yeah, I. All right, I'm gonna say that I think this might go ahead of Ladies' Night. You're talking about the first appearance of your beloved Jubilee? Yes. I think that this is a really solid action story. Um, it's it's very tightly written. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, part of me wants to put it in between 62 and 63, which is Mojo Mayhem and the first volume of Ultimate X-Men. But it's not better than Blood Hungry. But it's All not- right. I, so then I am going to, I'll give I, it, I'll give it ladies night. I'm not giving, I'm not giving up the ghost on blood hungry. All right. So I'm going to suggest that this is our new 66. That would put it up above Excalibur 61, which has gorgeous art, but is a little bit light on story. I was going to even say 65. Cause I thought you said above ladies night. Oh, okay. So you want it. So it'll go ahead of blood hungry. Wait, nope. I already put it there. That's the problem. That's oh. the problem. All right. That's the problem. I'm miscounting. It's our new 65. And now, now guys, we're gonna we're gonna talk. Uh, you remember how we uh, we talked some religious stuff? We said this was Bible Corner several times in this episode. That's true. What are we turning into the Apocrypals here? 
I understood that reference. Actually, <laughs> I do you actually hold on, Adam? Nope. Do you listen to a okay? No. Didn't think so. That's a specific brand. Yeah, I, I you know what? I'm very tempted now. I think uh, Erica. Henderson started listening to it and just did an illustration on the fly for something they did on a recent episode. I'm very curious, um, but I, I have yet to check it out. My apologies to a friend of the show, Chris Sims. Yeah, we're going to we're going to just get this plug in right here so people know what we're talking about. If you are interested in Bible and want to hear two people just read the Bible, but like <laughs> one of the people is a like has been a biblical scholar and one of the people is a comic book scholar uh and they just they just talk about it as if it's just text and understand the cultural things and make very funny jokes it may be the podcast for you it's called apocrypals i enjoy it a lot uh but it's not gonna be for everybody um check it out I I need to check it out. <laughs> you might. Who knows? They just uh, did an episode on two Rinthies. Uh That's the second book of the Corinthians. Yeah, uh, okay. Anyway, uh, but we have a second that's uh, coming up here. A second coming, in fact. Oh, boy. Do yeah. we ever. And I think we might have some different thoughts about this. Um, I don't. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> I'm going to say something here. Yeah, go ahead. Adam, I don't think we're 100% going to disagree as much as I thought we might before okay. I did this again. Okay, okay, um, Because I've heard you speak very highly of this in the past. I have spoken very highly of this in the past. I don't dislike this comic. I have to say that right now. We're talking about Second Coming. Uh, Craig Kyle, Chris Yost, Matt Fraction, Zeb Wells, and Mike Carey write this event. And I like all of them. It's penciled by David Finch, Terry Dodson, Ibrahim Robertson, Greg Land, and Mike Choi. I like two of them a lot. I dislike two of them a lot. One of them I'm in the middle with. There is, um, There are some artistic things going on in this that I just am not a fan of. And surprisingly, like the Land stuff is not the one that really bothers me. Which one really bothers you? Now I'm curious. Okay, so uh, I want to make sure I'm not besmirching uh, the the wrong person, but the Mike Choi stuff takes me so far out of the story every issue that it pops up. Um, I don't know that we pointed this out. This is a, a multi-line crossover. 14 crossing, issues. Yeah, uh, we're, we're this is a year's worth of content, right? This came out over a year? No, this came out from March to July. That's crazy. Okay. Um, but makes sense. I mean, X-Men crossovers usually happen pretty fast. But we've got X-Men, New Mutants, Uncanny X-Men, X-Factor? No. Force. X-Factor has X-Factor had a tie-in, but yeah, separate thing. Right. Uh, did I get them all? I think. Uh, Force, Legacy, Uncanny, and New Mutants. Yes. Um, along with two standalone bookend issues of Second Coming 1 and Second Coming 2. There's even a, a like little i don't even understand what it is a little vignette kind of thing called second coming prepare um, that was that was a promo piece that marvel unlimited for some reason does put with it's it it's fine it's fine um yeah but the mike Choi stuff really takes me out of it maybe we should save this for a second let's let's talk a little bit about no, what... wait hold on hold on can i can huh? i say something yeah go ahead mike Choi sucks and i hate him oh uh, damn 
I don't like his art. It throws me out. I've also heard from sources that I trust that he's a crappy dude. So I do oh. not support Mark Mike Choi in any way, shape, or form. Wow. Okay. And that's um, all I'm going to say I about don't that. Know any- I don't know anything about the dude. I just know that he is going for this uh, very kind of painterly style that um, just does it's not work static. for me. And does there's not... no no energy to it, no movement to it. It's mm. still art in a action sequence. It does not work at all. And it's shocking that they had him as the secondary artist uh, for Clayton Crane, who also has a painterly style, but is super dynamic and has tons of action during that X-Force run. And uh, I'm mad now. Yeah, there's a there's a real artistic inconsistency as you go through these issues. Um, and so that, he's the one that really pulls me out. You know, Land is, of course, doing, you know, normal, very strange anatomy things. Um, you know, pers- just proportions are all over the place. You know, Terry Dodson throws me out on this one. Honestly, I I don't think his art is bad. His art is out of place. He does his style does not mesh with these other artists. Oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like it seems like a couple of these books are are in line with each other style wise. And then you're right. Like Dodson's got a more, um, especially the way he's being colored. You know, it's very flat. Um, well, and, in, what what throws me off is the way it's structured. This event goes, uh, what is it? It goes Uncanny, New Mutants, Legacy, X-Force. Uncanny, New Mutants, Legacy, X-Force. Which means you're going from the Mike Choice stuff, which is painted, static art. Mm-hmm. Like dark and kind of gritty and realist. To Terry Dodson, which is borderline cartooning and bright colors. Right. And every time it's that issue shift, it's it's whiplash. It is whiplash. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit in Messiah Complex um, because the art sort of goes from like a more uh, grittier house style to something a little more cartoony. But here it goes from uh, David Fish to Umberto Ramos. Yeah, which is quite a jump. It is. But Bacallo is there to like sort of temper that shift. Mm-hmm. between them here there's no middle ground like you're just going from one to the other and okay so what is this actually about because we're we've got cable and hope coming back um, yeah so cable and hope come back yep which is dope that part's uh, great they end up at the x mansion like well crap no one's here also there's no x mansion here Oh, crap, the right is here. And they shoot their way through. And then Cyclops sees, oh, dang, my boy, my boy is back. My boy (laughs) is back in town. And he sends the X-Men to go help carry Cope across the the entire U.S. Uh, They find out about X-Force, which Nightcrawler's not thrilled with. No, but he doesn't have long to think about that, unfortunately. Uh, Nightcrawler gets Bastion because Bastion's here. Uh, Bastion, Bastion and all his resurrected evil past ex foes. Um, <laughs> he's just having a party. Yeah, that's the Council of Humanity. Um, sure. Bastion and I. Bastion, I believe, used the transmode virus to resurrect a lot of these people while working with, I think, Celine. I'd have to remember exactly how it went down. It's it's some kind of uh, kooky science that gives us uh, Cameron Hodge back. Um, <laughs> Stephen who the, Lang. Who the New Mutants go and fight, which 
there, there's a very good panel. You know the great panel from Extinction Agenda where Cameron Hodge is wearing the cardboard cutout of a of a man suit? <laughs> yes. They do that again. Yes, this. but with a real body. It's great. <laughs> like, it took me a second. I was like, oh my gosh, they referenced that. That's very good. Yeah. The new mutants fight him. Karma does get leg stabbed, though. Uh, and Warlock kills him because Doug Ramsey said, you have to kill this man. And I don't like that. Well, it it does give Land a chance to do some really good Warlock stuff. Like, Land does a great Warlock. Greg, Land should only draw robots. He's very good at it. Yeah, he does a pretty good Sentinel later in it, too. Um, like, Give Greg Land Transformers. That's all you have to do. He'd be amazing. Greg Land loves drawing cars, and he's good at drawing robots. I don't know what else you need. Um. So yeah, Cypher is uh, is strangely central to this story, a, a lot of it, because um, he figures out how they are tracking Cable, um, which is basically through Cable's arm. Yeah, yeah, he, he's got an arm uh, problem there. <laughs> he's got an arm, he's got that GPS unit uh, lodged in his arm. Um, and we get the, the climax of the story involves Bastion um, creating a giant red sphere around San Francisco and a climactic battle on the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Recreating X-Men The Last Stand. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure. Am I wrong? <laughs> Am I wrong? Because that's, no. that's what it is. No, but um, Bastion basically starts sending Nimrods back from the future uh, and... Cable has to use his final available time jump to uh, get everybody, uh, get this like team of, who is it? It's like Wolverine, Psylocke, a couple of them. Uh, Cypher. It's Wolverine, Cypher, Cable, uh, Archangel, and Domino. Right. And they're going to go sort of X-Force the future. Um, and we yes. get some casualties along the way. Uh, poor Ariel gets blown up. I felt bad for Ariel. I loved seeing I, her, and then she was gone. She gets better. She gets better. Thank God, that's great. I hope there's a nice doorway for her to uh, get is, some medical it's attention. Door. It's the car door. She jumps through the car door, but the car oh, is that door really shuts. what happens? The car door explodes. She gets stuck in between, in oh. between space and time, and then they grab her through a different door later. Oh, I like that. That's that's very smart. Mark, um, Mike, Mike carries a very good writer, Adam. I don't know why you were concerned. Um, and poor Nightcrawler deserves better than this. You know, he saves hope by, you know, basically getting a bastion arm through his chest. And I just feel bad for him. I feel bad for Nightcrawler. I will say that essentially being generous since Chuck Austin wrote him, no one knew what to do with Nightcrawler. It's a good point. So, like, he's a acceptable casualty from a structure of the line standpoint mm -hmm. but i love him and i don't want him to die yeah so that's sad vanisher gets killed oh yeah they, they're attacking all of the teleporters that is a clever idea i like it's that super good yeah well bastion's plan is to isolate them and then basically put them inside this red ball and kill them all it's a pretty good plan yeah it's a it's a plan all right and it it works pretty well. There's my biggest issues with this event is structurally. Structurally, it's weird mm -hmm. because it takes a while for the event event to actually get going. Because it really doesn't kick off until Nightcrawler's funeral. 
Like, it doesn't feel that way. The New Mutants are in the book for a while, and then they're just not anymore. Right. They they go off to hell uh, mm-hmm. in a s- split-off series where Gambit becomes deaf again. Uh, it's not great. Yeah, they're trying uh, to save magic because um, they use um, the purifiers use what like a, a, a magic cannon on her or something. And they that's, that's they the use a, like a spell kit, like a they use a send someone to hell gun. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is. They use a um, magic's going to hell gun, and it's very funny. But there, uh, there's a spinoff if you want to read about that, right? There is Hellbound. Um, Rogue is oddly. Rogue is Rogue is not important enough to this book for the weird amount of screen time she gets. And I understand that's because Mike Carey was writing Rogue as his primary character in X-Men Legacy, but she doesn't really fit into this event all that well. Yeah, she's supposed to be like strangely linked to to Hope. Um but that never really like makes a link like we never really understand why. Yeah. And then also Cyclops for this being his crowning achievement as a commander, Cyclops mostly stares at computer screens and points for this yeah. entire book. Yep. That's fair. And that's not the most exciting thing. Hope is great in this, and Cable is great in this, and I love both of them dearly. I, I but, think that's, that's interesting, though, because I don't know that everybody loves Hope, um, I and I think that the end of this arc really does make a very good question as to where the writers thought hope was going to go, because my assumption at the end of this is not just that hope is going to, you know, be the catalyst. I mean, not only does it bring up some very interesting questions about like how the Phoenix Force works uh, in the in the last issue, but she brings she's the catalyst for new mutants coming back like the 198 which has been slowly dwindling is now you know we're going to have mutants again the x gene is coming back uh scott's getting the pings but the five flights yep yeah but it sort of suggests that hope's role is much larger and it's so sad to me that it just came down to avx and that really wasn't that interesting you know you know fan theories at the time thought hope was a reincarnated gene gray which look i get it sure why this not? is called second coming yeah she's a redhead she just did a phoenix mm-hmm. um despite the fact that avx centers around her getting the phoenix i never understood how the, that the phoenix works with that stuff adam it doesn't make sense just wait just Keep on keeping on, man. <laughs> Keep on not making sense. Uh, so you said that you didn't uh, necessarily have the same reaction reading this again. I love. I've read it several times, and I've really enjoyed it every other time. But as I'm reading it this time, I'm like, there's some really good moments in here, mm-hmm. but there's a lot structurally that doesn't work as well for me. Uh, I I think it doesn't juggle its very large cast incredibly well. I think from an art standpoint, it's really jarring. It doesn't fit. Like, uh, you take something like uh, the X-Men Disassembled 10-issue series that ran a little bit ago Mm -hmm. uh, in Uncanny. Say what you will about that. The artists on that book were were tonally in step with each other. Agreed. They they knew that R.B. Silva and Mahamad Asra and, uh, uh, like, Pepe Perez all fit a similar aesthetic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and it's just I'm I'm not getting that from this book. Well, and and we're getting shifts in colorists, anchors, you know, it's kind of all over the map. So I think that that's definitely to its detriment. I also just think in general the story's too long. Um, Fourteen issues is a bit. Yeah, it's too much, um, and it's it's trying to do too little over too many issues. Um, so you know, threads get spun out into little side things. Like there's, there's a side thing like revelations, hellbound, uh, blind science, like uh, blind uh, science is super good. Is that by the way X club spinoff, right? Yeah. Blind science is the prequel to X club. It rules. <laughs> I just Spurrier think... also writes it. Hey, you know, and that's why some of these events can be fun. You know, we, we see new ways to, uh, to explore the, the universe, but this just seems like too much. Um, for not a lot of reward. Um, so where's this going? I, myself, mm. think Messiah Complex, which is currently at number eight, is better. Oh, yeah. Dude, Messiah Complex is way better than this. Yeah, guys, Messiah Complex, Loki rules. Actually, uh, Heike rules. Um, I, I think Messiah War is better than this at 60. See? I like Messiah War better, which That's is... That's what I'm saying. It's which better. Which is weird. No, I like this better than Messiah War. I'm oh. sorry. I did speak badly, uh, which yeah. is where I think the problem's going to be. I I thought at one point this would be a top 10 shooter. No. Uh, but it's not. There's a lot of good X-Men stories. This is not the best. Like, I liked... I still liked this better than the new X-Men story. Okay. Which is at what? Which one are you talking 65. about? 65. The new X-Men story we just talked about, the Nimrod one. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll give you that, but I'm like, I'm looking down at 68 and I'm looking at Inferno and I'm having a hard time just like wrapping my my head around putting this ahead of Inferno. Like, even though Inferno is not that great. (laughs) See, I still like this better than Inferno. This is the toughie for us. Uh, Hmm. I mean, we're both admitting that this thing is like flawed big time. I, I think it it's has flawed. great cable and hope moments. It has uh, some some fun individual moments as an all encompassing crossover. I would go so far as to say it kind of fails. You know, it has like the beginning and the end that you want it to have. Um, but it's it's got too much filler. This is Adam's hot take corner and I'm here for it. <laughs> Oh, this is uh, Adam's Here. hot take uh, Airbnb, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Sign in at the check-in desk. How do you think Airbnbs work? Do you think there's a check-in desk? Uh, if it's in a, an apartment complex, in a high-rise. Okay, maybe that's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say my thing, and then I want you to give me your range. All right, here we go. I don't think it's as good as 57 Executioner Song. I think it's better than Messiah War at 60. Okay. You, you don't think it's better than Inferno. What do you think it's better than that's below it? I would be... I, I think it could go right below Inferno. I, I think it's uh, a little bit more uh, universe-spanning than, let's say, that X-Factor standalone uh, issue of Christmas. Um, but I... I would be willing to go above Inferno um, because now that I'm thinking about it, we've got that Howard the Duck story right above that. And I don't know. 
I'm going to propose a diplomatic solution. All right, go for it. We 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 have a gulf between us, and we're not. I don't think we're going to be able to convince each other one way or another that each one of us is right or wrong. Okay. How about above Ultimate X Men one through six, the Tomorrow People? I'm so glad you said that. I was just thinking the same thing. That's a perfect solution, Zach. Like it's shocking to me that this is going below Messiah War. Like, I still don't believe that this is happening, but uh, also. I wouldn't have believed this when we started, but that's where we're at. Guys, if you like Second Coming, I get it. I liked Second Coming. Yeah, I just... In the past, I really did. I'm not sure why I don't now, but... I just think it's as it's as messy as Messiah War is. You know what I mean? Um, and Messiah War might be just a little bit more consistent than this. So I think putting it a notch below some really classic art atoms is probably a good good place for it to go. Well, there it is. It's our new number 63. And Adam won an episode. I feel like Nimrod would be proud. Yeah. All right. We've created our own time paradoxes. So uh, we got to thank Rob again. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. This was a really fun episode. We talked about a lot of fun things and I had a lot of fun times. Uh, if you want to be like Rob and bring a lot of fun to my life, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. Uh, that's where you can support the show, just like Rob or Patton Oswald's best friend, or whoever else is uh, supporting our show at this moment. Uh, it's really cool. We'll do an entire episode based around one of your suggestions. We have some really, really fun suggestions coming up. <laughs> so we sure do. Get prepared for that one. <laughs> uh, also, if you t- tell your friends about us, tell your comic book shop owner, uh, you know graffiti our logo into every train that you see uh just get get the name out there be our be our battle of the adam street team and we'll know that you did a good job if one of two things happened a we get more listens on the podcast b the battle of the adam trade paperback does shoot back up onto the bestsellers list on amazon because <laughs> people are confused <laughs> man i'm i was thinking today from an SEO standpoint, I'm very glad that it only took me 80 episodes to say I should put colon in X-Men podcast in our actual title. It's a fantastic plan, my friend. Man, we're we're manipulating the system. Uh, you can go to XavierFiles.com if you want to see how I'm manipulating the system. We have some very, very good uh, words and thoughts about very different things. Uh and Xavier Files on Twitter. That's where I'm reading Hickman's Avengers because it rolls. Adam, where can people find you? Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. I've got new pages of Bish and Jubes, the Crosstime Conundrum, coming out every X-Men Monday at adamrec.tumblr.com. And uh, if you'd like some Adam Rec artwork in your inbox every single day, you can head to patreon.com slash adamrec for just a dollar a month. Uh, I, I'm giving you some art. Uh, lately I've been doing some Avengers Endgame pieces and uh, it's been really fun. Yeah, and they're actually, like, I, I was about to say actually, and that's rude and not the tone I wanted to strike <laughs> here. Uh, those Avengers Endgame pieces uh, have been a stylistic shift away from what I normally see you doing when I open up my little Patreon notification every month, and in a pleasant way. They've been very different and very good. Well, thank you. Uh, So if anybody wants to take advantage of that, they can. What are we talking about next week, Zach? Next week, we're talking about Bishop. You like him. My boy. Your boy. Uh, And uh, some other people's boy, which is buck wild. We'll get into it. (laughs) Uh, But until then, guys, this has been Bally Adam, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!